You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Discovery is no longer a science vessel. It's a warship. If we're going to win this thing, we have one chance to get it right. We received a distress signal. I told you we'd be ready when you called and we are. Go. Open containment plan's not a good idea. Collision is imminent. Shields up! another episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly's Star Trek podcast. Uh, it is Chief Petty Officer, the Chief of Pettiness, I think would be even better. Uh, <laughs> at least sometimes when it comes to this show, given how, how much lower I seem to score it than everybody else. Anthony Lewis, uh, along with the Fleet Admiral, Ben Knight. Ben, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing quite well, and... Uh, Aurora, what did we decide? Science officer, right? Lieutenant yes. Commander Aurora Bubaloo. Yes. Lieutenant Commander. Uh, yes. Taking uh, taking control of the science station. Uh, how are you doing, Aurora? Good. I mean, this is right up my alley. This episode, right? Oh, for science sure. officer. It's very. Sci- <laughs> this was this was a more sciencey episode than, yeah. than we have seen thus far. So yeah, uh, what a crazy episode too. Matching. The uh, the episode title, Season 1, Episode 4, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Unfortunately, nobody said that in this episode. I was poised. I was poised to say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was waiting for uh, I was waiting for maybe a Klingon to say it or something, but yeah, at, yeah. The, at the rate they speak, it would have taken them five minutes to say the title of this episode, because <laughs> they speak incredibly slowly, and apparently only four words at a time. Yep. Um... There's a lot of complaints about the Klingons uh, from mm. from people. Not not just like how weird and different they look, uh, but that some of them like the I, mouth prosthetics and stuff make them sound like Bane. Uh, sometimes it's yeah. it's and they have to, they feel like it's. I mean, I feel like it's more artistic that they're talking slowly like this. But a lot of people seem to think it's the makeup and the prosthetics that basically force them to talk this slowly. Otherwise, mm. they would not. Plus, be able... the fact they're speaking Klingon and yeah. um, spoilers, but so that this is this is not real, uh, and so someone is learning <laughs> these lines, and there's quite a lot of Klingons in this show. So, yeah. yes. you know, and it's not been commissioned for a second season yet, so that's a big investment to learn Klingon. Uh, so, yeah. I'm not really that surprised that the lines are being kept short. I always kind of assumed that the reason was that. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the episode real quick, and uh, then we'll break it down. Uh, so, Captain Lorca assigns Michael Burnham to study the creature that he captured from the USS Glenn to find a way to use its biology as a weapon. Starfleet orders Discovery to relieve the Dilithium mining colony of Corvan Two, which uh, actually is kind of a weird tie-in to Next Generation, like a really weird loose tie-in, and we'll talk about that later, uh, which has come under Klingon attack. Uh, Paul Stamets is reluctant to make such a long jump using the spore drive, and when the drive is activated, the ship nearly collides with a star, so I guess it's not perfected yet. Lorca sends Commander Landry, uh, the head of security, to keep Burnham's research on track. She attempts to sedate the creature to cut off its claw, but it kills her, so she gets redshirted. Right away. Mm-hmm. Burnham believes that the creature was acting in self-defense and is drawn to the spores. Stamets and Burnham transport the creature into engineering where it connects to the spore drive and interfaces with the navigation system. 
The ship successfully makes the jump to Corvan 2 and saves the colony. Meanwhile, on Takuvma's stranded ship, the Klingon leader Cole earns the loyalty of Takuvma's desperate followers and leaves Valk to die in the wreckage of the Shenzhou. Lorel, secretly loyal to Valk, promises a way for them to win the war for the house of Takuvma. Uh, so they also kind of noted that the creature, which, by the way, has like seven names now. I don't know if anybody has seen this, but <laughs> there's like a bunch of names they've given to this thing. Um, cause it's, called, it it's called Giles. Um, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Lord Fenwick. Uh, no, I've seen like everything from like Water Bear to Tardigrade to Ripper to yeah. just that, all that was the Giles reference. I didn't put it in there for Glenn. <laughs> it was the um, ripper thing. Never mind. Ben, well, references you... are always fun when you have to explain them, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> ben, what did you uh, what did you make of the episode? Um, I'm really torn on this episode. Parts of it I really like. Parts of it I just wanted to throw things. Um, mm-hmm. So, the magic mushroom drive, which is what I'm going to be calling it from now on, I think. Um, <laughs> Captain Lorca's is... magic mushroom drive is like that sounds amazing. That was a Frank Zappa album, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was sure going to say, that. it's like the coolest Cheech and Chong movie never made. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, oh dear, it's, uh, there's, so, there's a lot of mess here. Um, I mean, tech for the sake of tech is funny, so the, the you know, the holographic mirror, um, but then I just don't believe that Starfleet, which um, has at its core, uh, depending on which view you take of Starfleet in its history, either a military or exploratory organization. The fact is, what they're not going to do is replace some, a shiny surface, which is what's required in cruise quarters to you know, make sure your uniform's on correctly, with um, a really super, probably high energy using uh, holographic yeah. system to to check whether your ass looks big in something. So, the, I mean, there's just kind of, there's bits of weird in there that I think, well, given that this is prequel, um, I get that you've got some, you know, secret tech uh, that probably never became declassified, and you know, somewhere in the distant future, um, Admiral Janeway is shaking her fist in fury at the magic mushroom drive, isn't she? Yeah. Um, uh, but then, you know, but then conversely, this was a sciencey episode. This was, um, it had humor in it. it, it uh, there was, I mean, I think they're kind of already laboring the metaphor of um, uh, Ripper being effectively a metaphor for, for Burnham and stuff like that, but um, you can see where it's going. I still think it's easier to watch this show if you just assume that what everyone's thinking about Section 31 is right, um, that you know what we're seeing is is the dark, hidden CIA version of, uh, of Starfleet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's that, that's good. I I think it's nice that they've made Stamets already. They've slightly tweaked his character and made him a bit more likable. Um, I quite enjoyed his uh, the phase the will only piss him off and his response. Think of it as a placebo for my skepticism line. I quite enjoyed that. Um, I, I'm really muddled about how I feel about this. I don't think it was a great episode. I think it had too many things which made you sort of step aside from it and go, huh? Um but I, I, I still, I it felt more Star Trekky, weirdly enough, though. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still muddled. I was, kind of, I'm looking forward to this conversation this week because I'm kind of co- hoping you guys will help me out here in terms <laughs> of what I should think about it. Uh, what about you, Aurora? What did you think of the episode? I, I'm with Ben. I'm, I'm torn. To, um, yes, there were things in the episode that I enjoyed um, a lot, but. Um, we were talking about the Klingons before, and I don't have a problem with them, how they're talking and anything like that, but mm. I feel like their scenes are boring. Yeah, there's, yeah, I, that's a common, that's a common complaint I've seen as well, where people are just like, uh, disinterested. I, I, so they're yeah. trying, they're trying to tell this conflict from both sides. Right, and they want you to get to know some of the Cleon characters and develop emotional attachments for them as well, I guess. But mm-hmm. that seems to be working a lot less well than yeah everything else. I mean, it's not working all that well for me on the Starfleet side. I can't say I've, I've particularly taken to many of the people on Discovery either. Mm-hmm. 
So except the one they killed, who was an awesome character, who suddenly had yeah. a mad fit of the stupids. Yeah. Um, yes, I don't. I, I don't understand that scene at all. I don't know why they <laughs> figured seriously. That was be Aurora, a good I went story. back and rewatched just that scene in order to see. <laughs> did I miss something which made yeah. you know the senior Starfleet officer do something so spectacularly so stupid? stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I guess we've all made you know, professionally bad decisions. I've <laughs> just never been eaten by one. Yeah, yeah. And, she got... and I, I seriously thought that she was not dead. I thought that she, that she was like seriously injured. Yeah. But mm. when they said she died, I was like, what? Huh. <laughs> and Lorca. It's and... another character I liked, and they just. They're going Game of Thrones her. on us, aren't they? And that was uh, Lorca also very. Uh, that my, my response was also. Lorca's response, which was, "Huh, okay, well, uh, let, you know, let's not try to make that mistake again." Uh, yeah, and moving on. Everything should be fine next week. Sean Bean's joining the cast. <laughs> no, apparently this show does not have the pull that Seth MacFarlane does to get like big name movie actors onto his show. Uh, but yeah, this was um, yeah, this was this was weird. That was uh, crazy. Uh, any more thoughts, Aurora? I'm sorry. Any more thoughts on the episode? Um, I mean, I, I liked that the, what felt Star Trek to me was the fact that they did everything possible to save that colony. Yeah. Um, that was the Star Trek aspect that mm-hmm. I, and that's what I enjoyed the most on the episode. But I thought that the, the you know, the story with the creature and, um, and, you know, Landry dying, I just, mm-hmm. that for me felt, I don't know, just so, that it made sense. So the 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 relationship thingy that we sort of got between Burnham and the Tardigrade that felt like they were slowly like drip feeding us Star Trek there. Mm. Like she like they're like this thing is like a killer and it look look what it did to all those crew members and look what it did to those Klingons and you know she was she very quickly like hoarded it you know like uh who's the real monster here yeah 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 she's like Mm -hmm. she's like oh my god this is like a horda that horda episode that hasn't happened yet for 10 years um she (laughs) she's like you know this thing is just attacking in in self-defense like it's obviously it's very brutal and destructive but that's not its nature and she's also they're also kind of drip feeding you that um you know they're using it and it's the way they use it works for them, but it also appears to be harming the creature, which they should have is... left it in the happy little avatar bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, it looked very happy there in the in the mushroom tree plant area, their giant arboretum. But yeah, I've so been they're... happy around mushrooms before too. <laughs> so <laughs> they're doing, you know, so they're doing the uh, the they're doing the moral question of. You know, do you do you sacrifice this creature's comfort if it's going to help win a war? Is it not worth it no matter what? No matter what the situation is, do you do this sort of thing? Uh, in fact, Ben, I'm shocked it had not triggered uh, memories of a certain two-part episode of Star Trek Voyager in which they encounter another Federation ship called the Equinox. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yes. Where they find they find these creatures that help them advance their their warp drive, but it kills the creatures to to do it and Captain Ransom stopped giving a shit and yes, uh, basically basically <laughs> was killing a bunch of these creatures to try to get back home. Uh that's sort of what they're that's sort of what this was. It felt very similar to that. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. We'll we'll see. So the it was it was weird. Okay, so they this mining colony was attacked by Klingons, and they're doing their damnedest to get there to to stop the Klingons. And they get there, and then they stop the Klingons, and then they're yeah. like whoop, and then they just you know spinny spinneroony. Well, hang on, out of there. there's there's some shit wrong with that, right? Mm-hmm. So. Okay, ignoring the rather amusing um, uh, navigation error uh, that puts them uh, in danger of landing on a star. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, In a star? Who knows? Uh, The problem is they turn up at that colony and they're all, you know, they've all got 
crazy mm-hmm. feels about saving the colony. And they get there, and the little girl looks up to the sky and asks, "Who saved us?" Yes. Um, in a kind of Pearl Harbor, uh, cola yeah, bottle or like sort of a, scene. in a Batman movie or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, it was vomit worthy, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> it was but, weird. But but then this is the thing. So the Klingons have been there, and they have fucked them up. Um, but all mm-hmm. they do is they turn up. They don't actually destroy all the Klingons. They just say, uh, uh, "Off you fuck," and they do. <laughs> um, and yeah. then yeah, they didn't destroy them. Um, I uh, destroy all of them, I should say. And then, not just that, they also did nothing to help the colony. There That's it is, true. on That's fire. True. Yeah, they're not, you know, yes. okay, they've not got replicators, but surely there was something they could do. That was, yeah. that was my, that was the point I was going to make. How they, how they kind oh, of sorry. flew in, they saved the day, and then they zipped out of there, and they didn't provide any relief to the people. I mean, outside of like preventing them from being killed, but no medical attention, no supplies, no nothing. And they left. You that... think this is because they were black ops, and they were like, oh, "That's that's yeah. not for us to do." So, uh, that's right. what I, I thought that way. It was because you know because there's such a secret ship. <laughs> right. So we're super busy and super secret. Yeah. So right. I, guess. I mean, this keeps harking back to like the Section Thirty One theory. But then there was some stuff in this episode that made me think that that's not the case. Like there, so Lorca met with one of his superiors, I guess, like an admiral or something like that, and they were just the the way their conversation was going. It sort of just felt like this was something the Federation is doing, and not really Section Thirty One. Or anything like that. It just sort of felt like this is something the Federation is allowing them to do or something. Mm. It, it didn't feel like he was some secret operative or this was some secret, super secret operative ship that nobody knows about. At least that's, that's not the call, feeling actually. I got. Yeah, it's not yeah. the feeling I got. I, I, I got that this was the Federation knows that they're doing this and they're okay with it. And that's what it is, which made, which made it really hard for my brain to digest any of this because mm-hmm. now the, now nothing makes any sense to, it, it made a lot of sense when I thought that maybe this was section 31 and it would explain why nobody's going to know anything about this in the future or why some of these things may magically disappear without having to really exist in the canon in the future but if that's not the case like like Klingons eating people yeah yeah okay so <laughs> they did I, I we completely we didn't get to mention that one of the Klingon conversation because maybe they're so boring uh, but one of the Klingon conversations... That's where you rewind and go, sorry, what happened? Yeah, they <laughs> casually mention that they ate Captain Georgiou. They did. I, well, now, they were starving. This brings up a whole other host of questions, by the way. Uh, Valk and Terrell and all of these people are still floating in uh, Takuvma's ship. And the Shenzo <laughs> is still there at the Binary Stars. It's been six They months. are Red Dwarf now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's been it's been six months. The Federation didn't send any ships for salvage. The Klingons didn't send any ships to say, "Oh my God, there's a ship full of our brethren here. They've been here for six months, like nothing. Ah, They're just left." Well, hang on, that makes sense for the Klingons, though, doesn't Perhaps. it? Because the whole Perhaps. Klingon mentality, but I think, is kind of you know, if they can't get out of there under their own steam, then Perhaps. let them freaking rot there. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I guess politically, um, the other houses weren't desperately keen on saving um, the people who were stuck right. on that ship. Now, uh, although the ship itself was of interest, of course, to them. Um, that, being, that being said, there was an episode of Deep Space Nine where a bunch of old Klingons team up with like Worf and Dax, and they go mm-hmm. to get revenge. And part yes. of the revenge is eating the heart of this dude. Yes. Yeah. So yes. it's it's not completely unheard of, and it does sound like they were also starving. Like it was the soccer team that crashes in the Himalayas. That deal. And they all mm-hmm. uh, resort to cannibalism. But it does kind of sound like that, but it was just weird. They're like, yeah. you know, that captain, well, I, you ate her face. And he's like, oh, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Delicious. So from a, um, a visual point of view, though, um, I mentioned on the show last week that the uh, I, I, I still can't find it. Someone online has done, basically, they've drawn on. Uh, photoshopped on the what we think of as the usual Klingon hair, eyebrows, and beards, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and these guys are indistinguishable from our regular Klingons. If you do that to them, um, 
and I know last week that you, you guys hadn't seen any of that. Have you have you seen it yet? Have you looked at it? I have not found them. Yeah, no. All right, okay. So I found a video um, this week, at which uh, I'll dig out again in a second. It was it was one of the YouTube kind of review things of episode uh, four, I think. Um, and literally every time one appears in the kind of recap thing he's doing, he 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 sort of pauses it and draws on in you know black marker pen. <laughs> <laughs> the, the facial hair and stuff and yeah, so, yeah. so look it up because these Klingons as soon as you do that it, it, you kind of go oh yeah they're just Klingons it, it's really odd um, the clothing's obviously very different and I don't recall another albino Klingon although I'm of course loathed because you know what happened when I got you something know, wrong sort of, you know what I'm sort of uh, I'm sort of seeing it now somebody put like Worf's uh, or like Martok's hair or something on Takuma mm-hmm. and put some facial hair on him. Aside from but the they nose, really do just look like Klingons. Aside from the nose, yeah. Once you put the hair on them, it's a lot. They look a lot more like Klingons. Oh, it's for me. It was the eyebrows. Put the eyebrows on you. Like, uh-huh. Oh yeah, okay, I get it now. They look a lot more like Klingons. You're right. If they put, the, yeah, that's weird. That just isn't it weird. Hair. Well, it's, yeah, all, it's, I, it's you can now see how their costume department came up with it, can't you? Like, oh, let's just okay, we got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If all the Klingons didn't have any hair and were bald, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they. I mean, they also changed a lot of other things as well. But uh, wow, just just doing those minor changes, they really crazy. feel a lot more traditional, don't they? When you do that. So speaking of Klingons, I want to talk about this real quick. Did Ben? I'm wondering if you saw the same article I saw about Alex Kurtzman. Explaining the the Klingons, uh, uh, I, I should say that he doesn't actually explain them as much as he sort of explains how he doesn't really know that much about Klingon history throughout Star Trek. Someone um, should have done a compilation of those DS Nine episodes, shouldn't they? Uh, perhaps. Mm. So, uh, so basically, he talks about how. In Star Trek, the Klingons are more or less often just, quote, the bad guys, which agreed. They Mm -hmm. were mustache twirlers in TOS, and they were the bad guys in a few of the original series films. And I guess they're kind of the bad guys in, like, uh, you know, next... Like, they're not, uh, you, you know, good Klingons, like, throughout Next Gen DS9 and stuff. There's There's bad ones, of course obviously as well, but they aren't like the big bads. They're just Mm -hmm. bad elements or whatever. Uh, You know, and he talked about how they wanted to, you know, show us a side of Klingon society that, you know, that'll make us, you know, endear ourselves to them and we get to understand them more, that they're not just the bad guys or whatever. And I'm like, all I could think of was like, I seven seasons of TNG and seven seasons of DS9. Like they went Mm -hmm. really deep into like, Klingon mythology mm-hmm. and what they yeah. believe and who they really are. And, you know, th- those shows did 14 seasons basically combined of work to make them not just the villains, to show, mm-hmm. you know, you know uh, what they are and what their culture is uh, and things like that. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe he's just never watched anything past the original series. But, yeah, that feels just like... Um, I don't know. Maybe that's why these these Klingons feel so weird to me. It feels like they're trying to teach me that the Klingons aren't just bad guys, and it's like, dude, I know. I've watched all the Star Trek already. <laughs> it do, it doesn't. Uh, the, the thing I felt when I read the article were, and I, I thought maybe it was just badly edited or something, but um, I felt for the first time so far that I I wasn't sure we were in safe hands when it comes to how this is going to develop, and that worries me a bit because Star Trek. Because of the people around it, um, you know, for decades, it's always felt, even in the Abrams um, verse, it's, it's always felt like we're in relatively safe hands because people get that there is, you know, there's can here, um, and that whole interview just made me think, uh, you you don't you don't know anything about the canon of this show. I, I, I'm just hoping and looking through, you know, we have to remind ourselves of who is involved in the show. There's enough people involved in the show who do know and respect the canon i think to to not be too worried sure. but but I, yeah I, I i had the same kind of slight sense of i guess disappointment when i read that i mean so they said like the romulans for example are completely off limits to them because mm. of the encounter in the original series 
Um, it's like their first encounter with the Romulans in forever mm-hmm. or whatever it is, or their first face to face, seeing them face to face for the first time or whatever. Um, you know, they got well, around em- that in Enterprise. Empress Sealer is all over the shop in the timeline of Star Trek, so sure, she, sure. She, she may pop up at some stage. She's wibbly wobbly <laughs> timey wimey. She she is. <laughs> Um, you know, so it, it's like they do they do talk about that, but you know, at the at the same time, uh, he says like Kurtzman says the goal is to humanize the Klingons, and that if they didn't explore that, then this wouldn't be Star Trek. And I, I just keep staring at that quote because it's like, well, they already did kind of humanize them to us. Mm. Yeah, that's one thing. Alana Torres apparently never existed in this guy's mind. (laughs) And and the other thing is, you know, if they're trying to humanize them, um, they're doing a bad job at it because they're still the bad guys in this world. They are. And they still feel really (laughs) alien and weird and not human at all. Like, no, there was that little bit of like weird flirtiness between Laurel and and Valk. And Mm -hmm. then there was that bit where she turned him in only to like join him at the end or whatever. And... Yeah, it's just strange. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, this was at uh, from the New York City Comic Con panel. Uh, the uh, Akiva Goldsman, one of the other 500 producers of this show, <laughs> talked about uh, canon issues. And it's not just him that I've seen. I've also seen Jason Isaacs talk about this. But Goldsman... Glad Jason Isaacs, by the way. Goldsman said that they're definitely not in the Kelvin timeline, which, by the way, now... It wasn't until I actually went and looked at the years, because I had forgotten that the Kelvin timeline, the events of the Enterprise and Kirk and Spock there take place before the original series. Uh, For example, the events of Star Trek Into Darkness take place only two years after the events of Star Trek Discovery. So this show is definitely not in the Kelvin timeline, despite how badly my brain wants that to be the case. Um, (laughs) No, never wish Kelvin timeline on people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Ben, but I, I nope. wish the show existed there. It makes more sense to my head. But um, he's like, look, we're not part of that timeline. We're part of the original timeline. Uh, and he's like, this is, he's like, you know, where our ship is, this is the same place where Constitution ships are. And, you know, he mentions that Discovery is a prototype, one of two prototypes, the Glenn being the other one. <clears throat> and, uh, he says that they are wildly aware that everything appears to be deviating from canon, and he says that we will close out each of those issues before we arrive at the ten-year period and hit the original series. They will fire so- a golden arrow into... Uh... <laughs> yes. That's a Doctor Who podcast reference there uh, for us. The golden arrow of Doctor Who. Um is he saying that this show needs to run for 10 seasons before they explain everything? And if it only makes it to three or four, they're just like, ah, oh, well, uh, we didn't get to explain it, but we would have. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is saying that all of those things will be resolved. Uh, Jason Isaacs, a lot of people are also on Twitter. Like he'll respond to people a lot when he's not calling like trolly racist <laughs> Twitter people fucking idiots awesome. or whatever. He is I awesome. I loved that exchange the other day. Did you, I guess, did you see that as well, Aurora? No. Jason so, Isaacs got in a, a Twitter war with some asshole who was... Um, what was the original racist tweet that started it off? I can't remember. I'm not even, I'm not even positive. I just know that, you know, there's trolley people... Um, Oh, that are, I can't that I can't even imagine are actually upset that Sonequa Martin Green is the lead of this show, but oh, but I can't imagine that there uh, maybe there are a few real ones, but most of them I imagine are Twitter trolls trying to you know get attention from TV stars yeah, and things yeah. like that. Um, and when they asked her about it, she was very classy and very put together in her response talking about how, you know, Star Trek has always been about diversity and I feel like diversity is uh, the thing that is going to help bring us closer together uh, and it's not a dividing issue and things like that. And when they asked Jason Isaacs what he thought about that and he's like, any fans that feel that way can go fuck themselves. He did not, (laughs) he did not mince words. He was awesome. He literally did say that, yeah. Um, Yeah. And uh, Shatner responded with shocked face emoji. Uh, (laughs) uh, Fun facts, he says, um, who's he talking to here? I was just talking to 
Um, oh, he's, that's right. He's talking to to Shatner over the um, kind of the stuff that had happened over it, and he says, "Fun fact: Yours are unfillable boots. I'm going barefoot. Uh, never mentioned legacies because Shatner had gone on about that." Um, said I didn't care about attracting the diehard fans as opposed to I think basically Shatner was sort of implying that he um, was kind of almost you know happy to fuck him off sort of thing Uh, but then he left it a little while and then said that said for the few idiots offended enough to tell me one to go fuck myself and two they'll never watch uh, uh, then one I'm my top choice and two I dare you I, I'm trying to find the, the actual bit that was easily quotable and I can't that's what happens when I don't prep and I just do stuff on the fly yeah. um, well I did bring but, this up out of the blue but I just wanted to point out that I really like Jason Isaacs he <laughs> yeah. is pulling no punches when it comes to idiots on social media and that's it I truly believe that they, they have to be trolls right because I, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. believe that Star Trek never fans can be racist. Like, there's that doesn't make sense, right? I mean, Cisco was a captain, and Janeway yeah. was a captain. So, well, I mean, this is the other thing. Is from, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about how at the minute I feel about. Um, people were saying there was a lot of tokenism going on in you know in this reboot. Although people were saying that before any details had really been released. So you know, mm-hmm. that oh, was sure, kind of horseshit sure. in the first place. Right. Wasn't they're, it? they're saying the same thing about Jodie Whittaker and Doctor Who. They'll say it about anything yeah. anywhere. If it's not a dude being cast as basically, if a woman is cast in just about anything that's remotely familiar, people are going to say they're doing it just to be yeah. uh, diverse, or it's a it's a token casting. Just mm-hmm. uh, well, it's know, like the fit guy in the bridge of the of yeah, the yeah. discovery. Um, how much is it obvious that they're going to make him the gay character that we've heard about? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just me. Um, <laughs> we well, haven't noticed so, Stamets' flamboyancy yet, or I, I have. But I'm trying to ignore it. Um, <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen After I don't want Track? It to be him. Huh? Have you watched After Track? No, because the guy who presents it gets on my wick. So, oh, Matt Myra, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the um, one of the writers of the show. Oh man, I can't remember his name right off the bat. Uh, I've never found the actual quote, by the way. Those people who hate on the show because we have a person of color and woman as the lead, well, they can go fuck themselves. That was yes. exactly what he said. There you go. Very blunt. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you'll you'll notice a direct correlation between uh, this particular writer who is on After Trek frequently and Stan. Yeah. It's like they are. It's like him maybe turned up like two or three notches. Oh, really? <laughs> very similar personality types, it seems. Um, yeah, so, oh, by the way, I wanted oh, to hang mention... On, hang that... on, his response, incidentally, was... Because it had been... Um, uh, uh, I think basically various people have been tagged in these abusive tweets oh, as well. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's been a few of the cast who've been tagged in it, because he then said, uh, tagging all the cast to hurl abuse is extremely rude and vain. We don't come to your work and scream the McFlurries are melting, do we? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> burn yeah um yeah there you go he's not a man to pull punches now um i wanted to getting back to the show i wanted to mention the weird star trek the next generation uh reference which was of course to the planet corvan 2 uh Mm -hmm. this is such a weird pull uh it ties into the next gen episode new ground new ground yeah yeah where Worf's son uh almost dies trying to save uh, two Corvan Gilvos, mm-hmm. which are like these stick-looking puppet creatures, uh, which I guess aren't supposed to look like puppet creatures, uh, <laughs> but are puppet creatures, uh, stick-looking puppet creatures, and they're uh, two of like the remaining, whatever they were, they're like 14 left or whatever, but they lived in the forest of Corvan 2. So just like a weird reference to like, pull that from like I, do, you, do you wonder like they sit in the writer's room and they're just like oh you remember that time uh wharf kid almost died saving those stick puppets and they're like yeah 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 what planet were those things from let's put that in the episode that's exactly how i think it happened <laughs> so, yeah exactly. i was about to say you can actually hear that conversation yeah that's <laughs> yes. clearly what happened let's go find out it was corvan 2 yeah okay cool we'll, we'll make the mining colony on corvan 2 <laughs> um that's awesome I, it's it's such a weird like that's like I heard that name and I'm like that sounds familiar but then again like a lot of those names sound like Star Trek planet names so it's possible I've heard them before or I'm I was like at the, yeah at the same but at the same time it's like 
that just sounds like it could be a Star Trek planet. <laughs> it's, it's possible they made it up, but there no. must be like a, a sort of canon helpline that the writers phone there and go, uh, where does dilithium come from? And some nerd at the goes, Corvan 2 produces about 40% of the Federation's dilithium supply. If you're looking for a mine, I suggest oh. you start there. Yeah. <laughs> they've noted. They've, no, they've noted, they they've noted like this. That. They've noted this. The writers and many of the actors on the show say that they hang out a lot at Memory Alpha. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's, hey, that's where I pulled this from, the Corvan Gilvo. I had no idea, but. And apparently the Grand Nagus has one in an episode of Deep Space Nine called the Nagus, which I do not recall, but it must have been one of those blink and you miss it. I have uh, to say, I, I get my dilithium uh, from uh, the Ferengi mines generally. Oh, do you? Is that where you get yours from? <laughs> I do. Genuinely, I like in they the Star Trek Online universe, that is basically where you go. I feel like they would drive a harder bargain. Oh, yeah. they'll beat they'll beat anyone apparently. Oh. <laughs> uh, ben, do you got any? Uh, do you got any final thoughts on where you want to place this episode and drop it a score? Um, me? Well, I, I, I thought I said Ben. Yeah. Oh, oh did you? I, I, I didn't catch you. Sorry. Uh, start with Aurora. With I don't know yet. Aurora. <laughs> Uh, any final thoughts? Do you know where you want to sit on this episode uh, score-wise? I do have a score, but I want to say that one thing I liked was how they fixed the nose on... Uh, oh, what... on Stamets. Yes, I like that. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a three. Ooh, wow, that's the lowest, yeah. lowest score thus far. By yeah. the way, it has not been officially uh, announced on the show... But apparently Stamets and the Doctor are a couple. They're either they're uh, either married or yes. So if you felt any weird tension going on there, they are they are a couple, married or otherwise. I'm I'm uncertain as to that. But I Do, you're saying are. like in real life? No, no, no. In the show that they are together. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Damn, that goes my hope for the bridge officer. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I actually don't know if uh, Anthony Rapp, the guy who plays. Uh, Stamets. I actually don't know if he's gay or not. He might. He might uh, be. I'm not sure. It's going to be like one of those modern family situations where you're like, "Oh, it's that one." Hmm. Um, <laughs> before well, he we get does do, he, I'm allowed to say this. He did come from. He did come from Broadway, Ben. If that helps. So uh, he was in just, the original sums and sequence. He was in the original <laughs> cast of Rent. So. I will say that. I should say just okay. sums sequence. That's what I'm planning on wearing when I walk down Broadway next week. <laughs> nice. Middle of the morning as well. I'm going bold. <laughs> no one will. No one will bat an eye though. Nope. There, so. Damn, I'm only doing it for attention. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're looking for gazes, uh, no one will provide them to you. Not there. Anymore. I don't think that's the plural, Tony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not unless I've been reading my manual incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's taken a funny good. turn. Um, it sure is. Now we're on an episode of the Orville. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Ben. Uh, I'm going to say, I think three and a quarter. And it's harsh, but uh, it's harsh, but fair. I just think there's too many things that they they got wrong too early in this episode. And it, it's just annoyed me a bit. Um, but mm, it's not awful. And I probably will get to the end of the season and I'll regret that score. But yeah, for now, that's that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle there too, like a like a three or three and a quarter. I guess I'll just go. I guess I'll just go with three. But uh, yeah, I was wasn't disappointed in the episode, but some of the things that I'm I keep finding myself looking for, I'm I'm not finding in this show, and I uh, I. Haven't had a chance to talk about this week's episode of the Orville, but there are things that I, I get from that show, even though they're even though it's still kind of uh, hit and miss. And I and I did enjoy this week's episode, although it wasn't as well. it wasn't as strong as some as some previous weeks. But, but it's, it scratches an itch, doesn't it? That show, yeah. And also, I it does that thing that I like my Star Trek to do, which is when the episode's over. I feel like I've gotten a complete story sort of from beginning mm-hmm. to end. And mm-hmm. if we wanted to talk about the whole story, we can talk about the whole story, which is, you know, a problem when you do, you know, Aurora and I have 
uh, run into this doing Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D. when we do the the Marvel shows. Those are not encapsulated yeah. episodes. They're mm-hmm. thir- it's a 13-hour movie that you have to get through, and sometimes there are episodes where it just feels like not much really happened, but in context with the rest of it, it all fits together really well, right. which, you know, it's one of those things that it feels so foreign for Star Trek to watch mm-hmm. an episode of Star Trek and feel like we just watched, you know, a very middle part of mm-hmm. a story. And that's all we saw was like the middle part where not much kind of happens, but it's sort of setting up for something to happen. I mean, their defense of that is, oh, we're doing, we're doing a big arc, but then DS9 did arcs, Voyager did arcs. And... They did. They but still they... managed to feel complete, though, in their episodes. Yeah. Well, did, did you feel... Because there was a... I mean, this episode had a plot A, plot B format, and um, I, although I have to say I think plot B was kind of weak, but it was there. I do wonder maybe maybe if, they're, if they are listening carefully, which they, they've got to be, if they want to make this last um, longer than Enterprise, uh, then they need they need to start listening quicker because Enterprise's problem was that they started to act upon what people were saying about it far too late, which is why it died the death it died. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think there's scope here for them to do what they want to do with the big arcs and still manage to give us a little bit of closure on it. I mean, <laughs> look at the fan base. This is a fan base that needs closure on things. Yep. <laughs> uh, Indeed. You know? So, um, I'm, I'm still vaguely hopeful. Yeah, I mean, people keep tweeting at Jason Isaacs about, like, you know, how can this be a thing? Like, that doesn't seem, you know, this doesn't seem to be fitting with what you're saying. And, like, everybody, he's saying it, everybody's saying it. They're like, you just gotta wait. Like, it'll all make sense. So, mm. like, to me, like I said before we started recording, the mystery of, like, what they're saying is going to happen is yeah. was more interesting than this episode was like yeah. what are they going to do to make it they keep saying it's all going to make sense uh so what are they going to do to make it all make sense somebody was starting uh somebody was actually on the theory that um the spore drive like the way it works there's there I don't know, there's something about how it interacts with like space time or something that they're like slowly altering time every time that they use it or something like that somebody's sort of thinking like eventually they you know they end up where things are like in the original series or something along those lines or it's more in tune to that or something but that would mean that the show would have to start off in what would technically be considered an alternate universe somebody Mm. somebody had theorized that this show actually takes place in the mirror universe and because yeah, they, they did this week, yeah. because they did say they were going to be doing a mirror universe episode or episodes, and that and could explain why that. Starfleet is they're not section 31, they're just you know, dark ass, um, Starfleet, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, a lot of other uh Star Trek nerds have already pointed out that this wouldn't be consistent with what's been presented in the mirror universe thus far either because they weren't the Federation in and the their eyebrows universe. aren't pointy mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, and there's n- and nobody has goatees or Van Gogh, so <laughs> and the 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 female officers' um, uniforms don't have like push-up bras and um, and yeah, they're made of PVC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. N- no one yet has got a whip out or done done a Kira. Um, no. I mean, you know, just doesn't slot together, does it? No, not really. But they keep insisting, though. They keep insisting that it'll work itself out. So. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it seems crazy enough. But... They'll get they'll get stuck on Starbug for a few years. They'll turn around. They'll find that the whole Discovery has been rebuilt by nanobots, um, oh. and that Norman Lovett will be there, and it'll be good. Uh, before we uh, before we depart, let's talk about our friends over at Think Geek and uh, a lovely piece of Star Trek merchandise they have. Uh, how about a lovely? Everything has been so dark lately on this show. How about a lovely Star Trek friendship necklace, Ben? How would that be? Would you like one of those? I would very much like one of those, but only <laughs> if it is high quality and comes from a reputable online supplier. If only I could think of somewhere like that. Tony, do you know anywhere? I do. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Ben. <laughs> how, uh, how would people visit this reputable supplier? CinemaGeekly.com slash ThinkGeek. I'm so glad you're here. Without you, I wouldn't have thought to ask these questions. On brand, baby. 
<laughs> or go uh, to cinemageekly.com and click the Think Geek link at the top of the page. Uh, I, I'm sure everybody has seen these. It's those uh, necklaces that, uh, when put together, form a, form a whole. In this case, uh, a Starfleet insignia that says, I have been and always shall be your friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, if you break that it... That just makes apart, me think of dying of radiation poisoning. Uh, of course, if you... <laughs> <laughs> of course, if you break it apart, one side says, I have and shall your, and the other side will say, Ben, always be friend. So, so people so will look at those. So it goes Star Wars on the right-hand side, doesn't it? <laughs> no, they may think you're talking about like Star Wars. It's like, oh, is that a Yoda quote? <laughs> ben, always be friend. <laughs> I have and shall your. Hmm? Uh, I'm sure Actually, somebody... Actually, the left sounds like Jar Jar Binks, the right sounds like Yoda. <laughs> people will... Yes. People will definitely make that. Uh, yeah, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be best to just keep them together. I mean, if you're a Star Trek and Star Wars fan, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could just claim both. Yes, uh, and it's only fourteen ninety nine from the fine wow. folks over at ThinkGeek. SendMeGeekGeek.com slash ThinkGeek. And if you're living in the UK and you're listening to to this and you're thinking, well, I want that all encompassing. Uh, Mm-hmm. thing um then we don't sadly have the magic mushroom drive but i do think that think even if you buy through the cinema geekly link that you've just heard about uh can still ship to the uk but <laughs> it takes a little longer <laughs> slightly, slightly. Okay, yeah yep. <clears throat> <laughs> uh yeah so that's um that's a wrap for the for the show this week. Well, hang on, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, because mm. there's news relating to another show, which is very, very important. I've got some subtle references to this during is this, the course br- of Is this episode. breaking news audio? <laughs> no, this is the thing for Red Dwarf. How did we not know that? I haven't <laughs> heard it before. I, I just figured that was our breaking news audio. I'm trying to find... Now I'm trying to find the early scene. Now I'm trying to find the... the uh, out music for it and I can't find it. Oh well. Um, okay, so as I mentioned last week, Red Dwarf uh, was due to return to screen, certainly in the UK, but mm-hmm. um, also around the world if you have um, technology. And it has been back already for, well, one episode as screened on uh, Dave, uh, which is probably the right channel for that, I suppose. And uh, I, I've watched that. Dave. I've also watched the second ep- Yeah, there's a channel called Dave. It's a thing uh it's the home of witty banter uh but it's uh yeah so you've got dave uh, has the one episode that's uh, gone out it goes out on thursdays now in the uk and um on each thursday the new episode uh, screens and at the same time the next episode becomes available on the uk tv player um so there are now two episodes up on there at the moment uh, largely the reception for the first episode has been really good and the reason i mention it is because it's it's perhaps more akin to Orville than it is to uh, Star Trek, but there's a big crossover yes. and the references are huge, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's very much back to Boys from the Dwarf. Um, and uh, uh, go watch that. It's it's a lot of fun. And if Star Trek Discovery has pissed you off and you can't find Orville on streaming sites, then there's always Red Dwarf. Uh, yeah, and I wouldn't say Discovery has made me angry. I'm, I'm enjoying the show so far. Most every... I mean, even this... Even this episode, which we all kind of gave around a three, which is not a great score, but it's certainly much better than many episodes of, say, Arrow that I've watched. Uh, so I love the fact uh, that there's someone on the planet who can refer to watching many episodes of Arrow. I just didn't really yeah. think that was going to happen. That's me. I've seen all of the episodes of Arrow. But then I gave up uh, on S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, last year. <laughs> See? Uh... Yeah, so uh, this was this was not good by Star Trek standards, but then again, it's this wasn't a self-contained episode, and it's going to carry over into other episodes. <laughs> so that three doesn't really mean a whole lot. What you know, ultimately, what it'll come down to, because of the way the show is structured, is if we add up all of our scores together for like the thirteen episodes or whatever it is. Or actually, they're saying that um, it's actually it sounds like the current arc they're on. It sounded like they're going to do this arc through the first nine episodes, and then the last six or whatever it is are going to be another mini arc. Did you just call so, our scores fake news? I'm pretty sure you did. Is it? <laughs> pretty sure that's what you did. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, either way, 
either way, uh, I, it, it seems like it would be more accurate to add up all of the scores and then average them to figure out our overall thoughts on uh, on the show. But yeah, I'm, and I'm still waiting for that one blow away episode. But in this kind of, it's something I've noticed with with stuff like uh, Stranger Things or more. I mean, because Game of Thrones isn't even Game of Thrones is obviously very connected, but at times they can be uh, episode specific. Uh, even though they will often end with uh, cliffhangers and things like that, I've I've noticed that there's a with like those shows like with so like with uh, Stranger Things I don't have like a favorite episode of that show I just like the show mm-hmm. I like the season but I don't have like a favorite episode mm. uh, the same the same thing it's it's difficult for I see it rarely like. There's a, been a couple of episodes of, like, Daredevil, which I can say, like, are, oh, my favorites that they've done. But they were so standout from the rest of them, or it was either a specific performance or something like that. But by and large, when it comes to the shows that are, like, in this binge-worthy fashion, I tend to just like the show or the season. And that's not been my experience with Star Trek. I have favorite episodes of yes. Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, and... Definitely. I haven't seen a single episode so far that I feel like could be, you know, in like my top 50 mm-hmm. episodes uh, at this point, because they're, you know, they're all interconnected. They're all so interconnected. None of them kind of stand alone. I, I don't know if I will ever have a favorite episode of this show. I, I may have a favorite season, but I don't know if I'll have favorite episodes. Right. Again, it just feels so weird for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, maybe that stuff will have to let go. I don't know. Part of me does not want to let go of that that part of Star Trek. And that's probably why I'm enjoying Orville so much. Uh, so, okay, yeah. that That is now finally the end of this episode. But we are going to return next week. Before we do that, head over to cinemageekly.com, check out the archives of the show, and find us on iTunes and Google Play Music. Just search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast, and hit subscribe. So, we shall return. There are, by the way... Uh, at least two more very original series-esque Star Trek titles, but we aren't getting them anytime soon. Uh, Unless, of course, this next title reminds you somehow of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. It immediately triggered that in my my brain. Uh, But we will return next week for Season 1 of Discovery, Episode 5, called Choose Your Pain. (laughs) 